We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. It's not a victory Tuesday. It's just a sad day. And we are recording on the first Monday without football since like early August. Between college and the NFL, there is no football on on a Monday night. So the weather is turning darker and colder. The Packers season is over and football in general is about ready to hit its end. One of the most depressing Times of the year. Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? I am your host tonight. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by Trey Watson and Jacob Morley, as I am every single week, here to talk about the end of the season and where the Packers go from here and where where everything kind of stands, how we're feeling, all that good stuff. Let's start there, though, because I, I it is kind of an interesting feeling as to you know is it excitement for the future is it disappointed over an opportunity missed is it somewhere in between you know what's your what's your thinking on that there as well um and let's start with you trey i know uh, unique perspective because you guys are fans and obviously also have a family member on the team and, and i've heard other players in the past have talked about like this day 
where everybody's cleaning out their lockers and get rid of their stuff. It's it's not quite like a funeral because that's an overdramatic uh, example or something like that. But it has that feel to it where it's like the end of something. This group will never play together ever again. You saw John Runyon fighting back tears. Who knows if he's back or anything like that. And it's just so hard to you know, kind of keep the good feelings and the vibes and all that stuff that came with this season uh, together. You know, a good example of that from one year to the next is, is Philadelphia. You know, this time a year ago, everything worked. The quarterback was awesome. The coaching staff was great. They, everybody loved everybody, all that good stuff. And they got within a field goal of winning the Super Bowl this year. Not so much. It's hard to recapture that magic of everything when it all comes together and clicks like that. But Trey, coming off the loss, uh, they, they lose a game that I think all of us agree they, they should have won. But what's the feeling and the vibe in your uh, in your head as we get to offseason stuff and, and looking ahead to 2024 and beyond? Yeah, um, you know, the the thing about a day like today is obviously the game was their last time together playing, but this is the de, de facto end of this iteration of the team. Like you said, the, it'll never be this group again. Um, somebody, you know, you really lo- love playing with is going to leave. A coach is going to go somewhere else, get a promotion, retire, whatever your locker mate's going to change all, all the stuff you've been talking about and, and everything that y'all had plans for doing in the off season, you now have to do it a little sooner than you want to. Um, you know, there's, there's meetings sitting down with coaches where, uh, you know, there's going to be some good things to talk about. There might not be some good things to talk about. You're going to sit down with GM, uh, you know, for some guys, it's going to be about contracts. It's going to be about, you know, where they're heading in a different direction next season, kind of like what you spoke about with Runyon. So um, today is a, is a tough day for a lot of guys because you just don't know what's next a lot of the time. Now, you know, fortunately, a ton of this team is on on rookie contracts. So, I mean, they know that come April, they'll they'll be coming back and starting this thing over uh, from scratch. But it's, it's going to be a new team. There's going to be new challenges that come with that. So this day is always hard no matter where you're at. Um, and as far as like my feelings on this team, um, I, you know, just, just feel like it ended too soon. You know, the, the game was theirs for the taking. Uh, it, it's not one where, you know, all, you know, 49ers got them on this play or got them on that play. Just, just a couple of missed opportunities. Well, a lot of missed opportunities that if you just take advantage of what you have there, we're in, we're in a conference championship going, going back to play in Detroit, a place where, Obviously, we know how well it went last time, and, and we're 60 minutes from a Super Bowl. So thinking about all that, you know, guys have to process that part of things, too, because no matter what the expectations were coming into the season, as this season went on and in that moment in San Francisco, they knew how close they were um, to to talking about writing a, an incredible story and finishing it, finishing it on top. Um so I know guys are going to be disappointed that they weren't able to do that and that, you know, regardless of, of how well next year does does go for the Green Bay Packers, things will be different in one way or another. That they will. And that's, you know, Mike McCarthy used to always talk about how there's like a 25% roster turnover. Now it remains to be seen if that will be what happens in Green Bay because, you know, like has been mentioned about 6,000 times, this was the youngest team in the NFL, and that's kind of where my optimism for the future lies. Obviously, Jordan Love emerging down the stretch and showing to the point where 
I mean, you know, I, I wrote a team needs article over the weekend and the last time I wrote that, I was talking about potentially needing a quarterback because the team was three and six and Jordan Love hadn't done the things that he had done since then. And that's kind of a scary place, you know, trying to figure out you don't have the guy on your roster and now you're trying to find him. You know, that is a situation that has never once been a factor for the Packers in my lifetime. I've, I grew up with Brett Favre. They transitioned to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, trying to figure it out from there. The optimism obviously lies in, I think, you know, the emergence down the stretch of Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed. Romeo Dobbs was a great player in for the, in the playoffs for them. So I have a lot of belief in Christian Watson, obviously, as we've talked about on this show a bunch. Musgrave and Kraft make things really interesting. Aaron Jones is still Aaron Jones. And if they could find one more guy, maybe two, that's got some explosive ability out of the backfield and you're really cooking with gas on the offensive side of the ball. The the downside, it's like you said, Trey, this ended too soon. The Packers were the better team for basically three full quarters and almost half of the fourth quarter. You know, that big run from Aaron Jones probably should have iced the game. You know, they should have put together the rest of that drive and, and finished it off. They didn't. Anders Carlson misses a field goal, a problem that had been the problem the entire season. Reared its ugly head in the biggest moments, and we'll talk about the kicker situation here in just a little bit. But everybody just kind of assumes that the Packers are going to be good for the foreseeable future. And, I I mean, I think that's more likely than not. But I liken it to, you know, when the Packers lost Super Bowl thirty-two with Brett Favre, it was kind of assumed, oh, they'll be back. They'll get another chance. They never did. When Aaron Rodgers won Super Bowl 45, oh, they're going to win two or three of them things. Never even got back. You know, you only get so many bites at the apple. And at some point, maybe you were ahead of schedule. I certainly agree that they were. But it was an opportunity missed because Green Bay has already won a game in Detroit on a national stage against this Lions team, that which is who they would be facing had they beaten San Francisco. And if nothing else, maybe you have a chance to finally exercise that demon to get some of the people that have been around to believe, hey, we can actually beat these guys in San Francisco. They beat Kansas City at home. Baltimore, haven't played them. I mean, not the greatest matchup for the Packers, but if you're playing Baltimore in the Super Bowl, it's just one game you got to win. And anything can happen in one game in a one-game sample like that. So that's where the disappointment lies. The disappointment also lies, like I mentioned, at, with the kicker because – he missed a kick in 10 of the last 12 weeks. He was not good during training camp. Wasn't great in college. Like, I, they didn't have to cut him and just toss him to the wayside. But they didn't have to do nothing either. You know, ignoring the problem. And frankly, the biggest issue I have is Matt LaFleur and Rich Passaccia basically shutting down any question that was given to them about whether or not this was their guy or they're sticking to him. Like Rich Bisaccia would not answer a question about Carlson's missed kicks leading up to the 49ers game. Like that level of arrogance, defiance, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, it just isn't a good look. And then predictably Carlson misses a field goal that no, it's not the reason they lost the game, but it's a reason they lost the game. And Anybody who sits here and tells me they were confident that Carlson was going to make that kick, you're either lying or you live by blind faith, which good for you if that is what you do. Uh, but it is 
we were talking about this pre-show a little bit. You know, when is the last time that the Packers were loyal to a player in season and he rewarded them in the same season? So, like, everybody says Mason Crosby was terrible in 2012 or 2013, whatever year that was, where it seemed like he missed a kick a week. Well, he was still bad for that entire season. Got good the next year. Like, that's not a reward in season. Anders Carlson was not good the entire year for the most part. And, you know, for everybody saying, like, he was better than Crosby as a, as a rookie, first and foremost, Crosby is not, like, the gold standard for kickers. He had some big moments in Green Bay, but he's not Justin Tucker. He's not Adam Vinatieri, name your great kicker here. He's just a good kicker. And second of all, like, that's not really a fair comparison, and I don't think it's true either. He led the league in missed kicks between field goals and extra points. And the extra point rule is different than it was from years ago. But it's frustrating just because I know it's the way the Packers do things. Like I know patience is a virtue and that's just what they do. Uh, But I do also wish there were times where like they held on to Amari Rogers for six weeks too long a year ago. And it was only when it became just so painfully obvious, he couldn't do it that they finally cut him. And then by virtue discovered Keyshawn Nixon. Lucky, sure. But, you know, who knows? Maybe you discovered the next great kicker if they would have been willing to do anything in regards to Anders Carlson because they didn't even bring in competition for him during the season. And that's something that – that's a philosophical thing, and that is not something that is going to change in the near future, and that's part of the disappointment as well. Uh, but the biggest one is just that they had a shot. They probably, quote-unquote, should have won. But just like – almost every playoff appearance for the last, what, 13 years, we're playing the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. And who knows? You know, expectations are back in Green Bay, and that's a good thing, objectively a good thing, because it was kind of depressing at the beginning of the year going like, oh, what's their ceiling? Eh, Maybe they can win 10 games and win a first-round playoff game. And, like, that's the ceiling. Now, I mean – depending on how the offseason goes, Jordan Love doesn't have an unexpected retirement or something like that. Like their ceiling is to win the Super Bowl next year. And I firmly believe that, but maybe they could have won one this year. What if some crappy giants teams have won Super Bowls in my lifetime? Morley, you're about as optimistic as anybody I've ever met about anything in general. Um, I'm convinced somebody could punch you in the face and you would smile and say, thank you. So what is your take on this Disappoint. I, I mean, what kind of, how do you take the loss? How do you take this kind of moving forward? I mean, yeah, it's disappointing. And it's, it's tough just because it's like, it's so predictable. And, you know, there are a lot of fans out there that would hear what I'm, what I'm about to say and say, oh, boohoo, poor you. Right. Oh, boohoo, your team made it to the playoffs and lost. Oh, man. You know, Detroit went 30 years without winning a playoff game. You know, Washington has gone. 30 years without winning a playoff game and their career, the Kansas city chiefs who don't seem to be able to lose anymore. They've gone, they had a span of 30 years where they didn't win a playoff game. So, you know, there's that argument where it's like, well, at least they're good enough to be there and, and they're good enough for us to, you know, even though it ends in heartbreak, it is enjoyable. The whole, it's, it's fun to watch winning football and good football throughout the year. And, a lot of people were comparing this particular loss to the 2014 NFC Championship game against Seattle, and may, you know maybe Not a little bit. Close. I I think <clears throat> I think to the extent of like you can look at a dozen different things and say, well, if they if this would have gone the other way, then they probably would have won. Like to that extent, 
sure. But like that 2014 team was a veteran team. And that stung so much because you knew that team was like you like this team we're talking about turnover. You knew that team was done like that. That was kind of the end of an era of that original 2010 group of guys that you wanted them to win another Super Bowl so badly. And that was kind of the final nail in the coffin of that group where you're like that. That's not the group that's going to do it. And so that was tough. So that felt like the end of something. This feels like the beginning of something, you know, there will be turnover, but man, a lot of these guys are going to be back. And if Goody can do what he's done the last two draft class, he doesn't even need to be as good as he's been the last two, you know, have a B B draft B plus and you're sitting pretty with these guys. So the ceiling, like you said, the ceiling for this team at the beginning of the year was, uh, maybe win 10 games, win a playoff game, boom, they hit their head on the ceiling, then, right? So, like, that's the silver lining is we wanted them to make it to the playoffs. I was happy that they just made the playoffs, this young team. You know, there's there there is there is scar tissue for young teams that I almost think is necessary for them to have to become successful. And you look at a lot of the great teams throughout the course of history and – You know, Michael Jordan's Bulls, the Detroit Pistons always beat them, right? They had to get over that hump. Even, you know, the Patrick Mahomes teams, like you remember his first year as a starter, they made it to the AFC Championship game, lost in in heartbreaking fashion. You know, so like they have an opportunity in front of them now, and they're already talking about it, about how, hey, this offseason, like we're going to attack it knowing that we, we failed this year and knowing what it takes to get over that hump because whatever it takes, we didn't have it this year. We need to raise our game even that much more. These guys all know that now, you know, it's, it's one thing to sit there and say that, you know, guys like us to be like, Oh, you got to up your play in the playoffs. Well, yeah, that's one thing to say, but like these guys go out there and they know it now. And so coming back next year, like I, I expect this team to be rolling. I, I expect there, you know, here's the other thing though, too. I expect there to be ups and downs next year as well. Cause guess what? This is still going to be a really, really young football team. Um, And they're still going to be learning on the fly to an extent. Um, And you hope, again, that they're playing their best football down the stretch when they get to the playoffs. And I do think this is a a playoff team next year. I think they'll be, you know, Vegas will have odds on them making the playoffs that will not be great for betters. And uh, and that's that. I mean, you look at the defensive side of the ball, if they get – you know, that's the big question, right? Do they get do they get some a new voice in there uh, that's going to coach these guys? And this, you know, this this job, this defensive coordinator job, you know, halfway through this season, I wouldn't have wanted. I mean, granted, there's 32 of these jobs. Like, you're going to get somebody good to do it, but you know, it's is Matt Lafleur going to be here? Mm-hmm. If, if if you know if they're bad again next year, am I just going to get a one and done fired because they're bad again? You know, is Jordan Love not the guy? Because if they don't have a quarterback in place, like everyone's getting fired, and then I'm definitely getting fired. Those questions are answered, right? And now this is a job of man, can I can I hitch can I hitch my my wagon to this star and take off? You know, because this team looks like the offense is ready to roll. Can I just come in as a young defensive minded, you know, coordinator and get this team, get this defensive side of the ball shored up? You know, I might be on the fast track for a head coaching game in two to three years if I can do that. I mean, so like just just the sheer you know attractiveness of this job is there. And it, and here's the other thing: if they if they go back with Barry, 
ooh, just hearing that. But like, if they go back with Joe Barry, like this job, this defensive coordinator job, it's never going to be more attractive than it is right now. And it's it's kind of similar to what the Bears did with with Everflus. They decided to run it back with him. We'll see how that goes. But they did it knowing that the Bears' head coaching job was never more attractive than it would have been right now. You know, right. you, you come in here with all this draft capital, you get the first pick, you get to your pick of two very talented quarterbacks, whichever one you want, with May or Williams, whichever one. That's your guy. You get to do that. You have another top ten pick, and then you've got all the you've got a Brinks truck in free agency. Like so it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they do here if if the Packers kind of take the route of kicking the can down the road essentially with with the guy. Because as we know now, uh Barry's contract is not up. I don't know if you guys saw that today. Um, yeah, but, it was uh, never it, fully confirmed that his contract was expiring. It's just been speculated three, that he got a yeah. three-year deal. But so yeah, it was four, yeah, never on a four-year deal. Um, it doesn't really change. It doesn't really change the process, though, for me. Like Matt, you either you've seen enough or you haven't. You know, contract up, yeah. contract not up. You know, either way, you need to have that conversation of, hey, we're not renewing you, or we're letting go of you. Like that's it's the same conversation. So uh, I don't know my. Hearing Matt talk at the presser on Monday gives me a little bit more confidence that he is leaning towards going with a new guy. Um, just because last year it was pretty immediate that he was like, no, Joe Barry is our defensive coordinator. This year he just said he's not there. So, you know, read the tea leaves on that. I, I do think that um, they'll have a new guy in there, but I think they need one because, man, this this group could be special. Hey friends, for those of you who know me well enough, you know that the only thing I might like more than the Packers is pizza, but not just any pizza, of course, Little Caesars pizza. It's time that you join me and make Little Caesars, which by the way, is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days and Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, and as I always tell you, do not forget the crazy bread. The best part is that everyone wins with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pick up. So grab some friends, grab some crazy bread, and enjoy some delicious Little Caesars pizza during the game. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports. Sports made easy. 
Yeah, I've got some insight on that if you guys would like. Uh, it Last year, like you said, LaFleur said after the season was over that he anticipates Barry being back. And that was in this press conference that he had today, just last year. Um, the other thing is he did talk about how he was more involved in defensive meetings and stuff like that. And the sense that I have, and I, you know, I'm not pretending to know things that I don't or anything like that, but the sense that I have is they would have had to go on a remarkable magic carpet ride for LaFleur to do that. I think he knows I think number one, he knows the optics and I think he knows the writing is on the wall. You know, the reality is that yes, they played well against Dallas and I know the final numbers were ugly, uh, but they played well against Dallas and I know they played well against San Francisco. And, and that was kind of a a miracle of sorts that they did considering just the defense's reputation. That offense is the most explosive offense in league, all that good stuff. Um, I think he also knows, though, that the Carolina Panthers have not scored a point since they played the Packers and that Tommy DeVito has since been benched. And Baker Mayfield is good but should not be tossing up a perfect passer rating on the road at Lambeau Field against your deep. Like, I think he knows all of those things. So I would be – I don't want to say completely shocked, uh, but I would be surprised if Barry is brought back and they don't – especially with some of the – candidates that are available you know wink martindale is available uh that's a guy who's got a track record i'm not tossing names out there for you guys to take and run with but um i just think there's there's enough people out there that making a change makes sense and i think lafleur knows that good is kind of the enemy of great in this way and and the other reality is, you know, for everybody that says like, oh, you know, Joe Barry was a nepotism hire or everything like that. Joe Barry was not Matt LaFleur's first choice. That I need to be very clear on. He was not Matt LaFleur's first choice. And, you know, I know the defense wasn't great in Barry's first season, but they had a hell of a playoff performance. They weren't firing him after that. And, you know, they decided to give him one more crack at it after an average 2022 that they finished strong in. I, I kind of understand it. To some degree, at least, even if I agree in general that he probably should have never gotten hired. But I would be surprised if they're not if we're not talking about a new defensive coordinator soon. And and the other reality is, you know, for as much as we talk about coaches and coordinators and and all these things, if Darnell Savage is dropping interceptions thrown right into his chest and Devondre Campbell is dropping interceptions thrown right into his face mask like. I don't care if Buddy Ryan is dug up in the defensive coordinator or not. Like the, the players have to make plays too. And the Packers, the playmakers in the secondary and in general, Rudy Ford led the team in interceptions this year. He had two. Rasul Douglas was tied for second on the team in interceptions. He had one. And he didn't play for the team from October 30th or whatever that was forward. Like that is a severe dearth of playmaking that they have in the secondary and something that they lost when they traded Douglas. And it's something they just, you know, haven't really had. And the guys they have, the good players they have, they need to play better. And the, you know, the, like, think about, if you go back to the super, or, you know what, let's go back. Cause today's the anniversary of it. For example, the NFC title game against Chicago, the one that they won. Um, Sam Shields, two picks like playmaking in the Super Bowl. Nick Collins interception return for a touchdown. Tremont Williams, plays all over that playoff run. Clay Matthews forces a fumble. Like their best players made huge plays. Green Bay's best players in the playoffs made like 
the combo sack that they had on Purdy later in the game where it was like Gary Brooks, Clark all got him to the ground uh, before the, I think it was before the field goal that made it 21, 17. Um, like that's a nice thing, but Darnell Savage, that's a game changing play. Just dropped Keyshawn Nixon game changing play dropped. Like those are things that they need to, to get better on moving forward as well. Um, so let's get into get into another topic. The other thing I wanted to get into you guys is I'm, I'm interested here because I did say it was the the anniversary of the last time the Packers won a conference championship game. Morley, what's just one quick, real fast? This is like a rapid fire type topic. What's your lasting memory from that day in Chicago? Uh, BJ Raji pick six. I was going to trade you. Well, let me think. Four, 14 years ago, you would have been. Oh yeah, um, I, mean, I definitely remember that game. Is that the is that the Randall Cobb catch? No, no, this was oh, three years prior to that. No, the Cobb oh. catch was a regular season play. This yeah, was I was about to say, wasn't that like a postseason finale? But um, I don't remember anything from that game specifically. Um, I man, I remember that. I remember that run to the to the Super Bowl. Um. But I don't, I don't have any like specific memories of that particular game. No, that's that was the game that Julius Peppers knocked the deck the knot yes. out of Aaron Rodgers, and he never played very well after that in that particular <laughs> game. <laughs> no, not that day. It it's was interesting. I don't, know, I don't know if Buddy knew where he was after that hit. Honestly, it was interesting just to add, just because I know Christian was a Steelers fan growing up. And yeah. probably still was at that point in time. So that the Steelers played later that night and won to go to the Super Bowl. And they ended up matching up against each other. Obviously, the Packers won. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something they hope that they can do again. So let's before we put a bow on it and everything like that. Let's just the high point and the low point because this year was the roller coaster. And I kept talking about it on this show as much as you could. Like I remember when they won their first game and. You know, everybody was all like, oh, are they going to be like six and one at the bye? And I was like, no, like we can't we can't talk about how there's going to be ups and downs and then just ignore the fact that there's going to be downs. It was the same like after they beat the Chiefs and everyone's like, oh, could they finish 11 and six? I'm like, no, they'll probably lose a game or two that they shouldn't. And they did. And then they go down the stretch that way. But Trey, what was your your high point of the season and what was your low point for for twenty twenty three? Uh, I'll finish on a good note. So I want to say the the low point for me, um, I feel like was that was that Raider game because to be honest, and the Steelers game was pretty bad too in my opinion. So was the Broncos. Those were three that like really hurt me. Where I was just like, like man, what's the you know what's the problem here? Um. But that that Vegas game, like they had they had just gotten beaten pretty bad by Detroit on the Thursday night. They go to Vegas. At that point, Vegas was really struggling. And I'm just like, okay, you know, they're they're gonna get it together. Um and just both offensively and defensively, I just felt like, okay, this is like this is disgusting. Like just nothing, nothing looked great. And then you have a chance to win it at the end, right? And and you miss a really easy opportunity. To, to end that game on a high note. And that kind of – like, that was when, all right, things things might get dark here. Um, and then they kind of did, right? You know, Denver got dark, Minnesota, and then we had to play the Rams with Brett Rippon to even get back on track even a little bit. Um, so that part was was pretty rough in there. Um, 
And that was when I think people really were like, all right, you know what, like, what are we going to do? The high point would be that stretch from, from the lions on Thanksgiving to Kansas city. Those were, those were the pivotal games that said, okay, this team can and will do something um, in back-to-back games where really, if they didn't win those two, we're, we're talking about, all right, what, what do we do next year? What do, what do we do at quarterback? Kind of like you were saying before, is, is there staff changes from top to bottom? Um, you know, being able to stack those two the way they did, um, just playing all around good football, the defense made plays they hadn't made all season prior to that. The offense was basically unstoppable for, for two straight weeks. Those those games were the sign of what ended up being to come to finish this year and, and what will become really who they are moving forward. Um, everyone began to flash. That was when Tucker Craft really started to get going after, uh, you know, Luke kind of went down in what the Chargers game. Um, so from that point on, everything picked up and we had an idea of what they really could be in in big moments and from then on everyone kind of took it to another level just with with their play like because even i mean christian got hurt during that period and and even he was playing really well but then wicks took it to another level then Jaden took it to another level um tucker craft took it to another level really just took over the tight end position while while luke was out jordan was making plays that it just felt like he hadn't been doing consistently enough prior to that. And then we had kind of discussed early in the season, like, okay, the, the inconsistencies of the O-line, that was really when Rashid started making that left side just be a non-factor, right? Like, we didn't hear anything over there. Um, we didn't really have any complaints about the O-line at all during that time period. So we saw everything really come together. LaFleur seemed to figure it out, what he had. Um, so that, that was – that was big for, for this season and, and it'll be big moving forward uh, just just for this offense as a whole as they they try to b- become a true you know powerhouse of an offense and a team as a whole. Well, Morley, we all know your I have never seen a grown man tweet more than in the aftermath of Packers and Chiefs. So go ahead and point and laugh a little if you need to. Well, I mean, I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, so I'm a big Bison guy. Christian's brothers on the podcast with us, living in Kansas City, and then for you know Christian to have his best game of the season against those Chiefs, you know, on on the national stage was fun, you know, and it wasn't something that was really expected either. And I think Trey hit you know, all the ebbs and flows of the season to a T, you know, the Broncos game, the Raiders game, it was dark. And I was at that point too, right. Where you're like, Oh boy, I was wrong. I was wrong about this Jordan love guy. And, and those thoughts start to creep in. We were like, Oh no, now what? And then, you know, slowly. And I think, you know, I think you started to see some signs kind of in the Pittsburgh game and then the Rams game and then the Chargers game. And it was like, okay, he's 
he's starting to figure this out, it seems like. And the last remaining piece was he needs to go dog walk somebody. And then the insert Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving Day. Just I mean, that that's really where I think the first time people were like, oh, OK, like this is the talent that we all saw. This is the guy that everyone was so excited about. Cool. Next week is Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes and the fighting Taylor Swifts come to Green Bay Lambeau Field. And it, I mean, I, you say that, but like and I'm not making fun of Swifties. I'm not like that's fine. But like when you saw Taylor Swift walking through the tunnels of Lambeau Field. Yeah, that was I mean, that is like a dude. She's she's larger than life because like that's Lambeau Field is an iconic place. And there's Taylor Swift in it like that. The All the stuff surrounding that game was so much fun. And, you know, the reigning champs come back into town and Jordan played great last week. But hey, go, buddy, do it again. Like, we don't believe it. Do it again. And he did. You know, he goes toe-to-toe with the best player on the planet and outduels him and wins. You know, we're riding high. We are absolutely riding high. You know, come crashing back down to earth the next week when they play the the Giants. But, you know, that has to be the highlight of the season. Um, unless you <laughs> – but that's usually the other thing. Unless you want to see the Cowboys game too, like just two weeks ago. Because, you know, that that really is when I think Jordan announced his presence to the to the nation. Like, hey, I'm not I'm not just gonna be the twelfth best quarterback in the league. Like I very much have the potential to be the next guy in Green Bay. Like, and if that answer question wasn't already answered, like it was answered. Like he was gonna be the next guy, but like the next guy in Green Bay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover 
for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And Not even just I'm, in Green Bay. I think that's like the next guy in the league. See. Yeah. Like, and I'm not, I'm not hyperbolic. I don't, you know, it took me a while to get to the Jordan Love train. You know, I don't blindly believe in players just because they play for the Packers. That's just not how I'm wired. Like, the throw on Sunday where he's rolling left and throws a seed to Dobbs, like, I giggled because, yeah. like, I mean, my brother said it after, like, this dude is different. And, mm-hmm. We've seen guys like that. I mean, we watched Aaron Rodgers for 30 years. We watched Brett Favre. Like, we know that. But that is – I didn't mean to interrupt your point, but that is like an announcement of – and, yes, I know the game ended poorly, and I know he threw two terrible interceptions in that game. I know that too. But that was an announcement, I think, the Cowboys game, like you mentioned, of I'm not just the next quarterback in Green Bay. Put me in that conversation. Watch me next year, and I'll be in that conversation with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and anybody that's in that next year below Mahomes. Yeah, and and the NFC doesn't really have that guy. Those guys are all on the AFC side, right? So, like, the, hey, man, this could be your division to win. And so that's kind of what's fun about all of it. And, you know, the last 10 weeks that he played were as good – as really as good as it gets. I mean, you look at some of the best stretches that Aaron Rodgers played, and it, that's the craziest thing that you can say. And if you had told me this in August, I would, even me, like someone that does blindly love Packers players sometimes just because they were the green and gold. If you would have told me, hey, he's going to have a stretch of 10 games that are quite literally as good as any 10 games that Rodgers ever played this season, first year as a starter, I would have said, you're crazy. No, he won't. And I love him, but he won't. But he did. And and that's the exciting part moving forward is he still has to do it. He's got to do it again next year. Like grand scheme of things, his one year is a small sample size. Yep. And so go do it again. But you've shown us you can. And so like that's that's the exciting part. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this season. Truth be told. Yeah. And I think that, you know, an example of what you can see on the other side is coming into the season. We were having, and I think legitimate conversations, and you won't find a bigger fan of this particular quarterback than me, but of Jalen Hurts as like, you know, is he the guy after Mahomes? Or is it, you know, is he in that same tier as Burrow and Allen and and some of those, just because of the year he had a year ago and nearly carried a team to win a championship against Patrick Mahomes, no less. And this year now, not as good, and people are calling him a, a quarterback sneak merchant. You know, that's, which isn't fair either, but that's just how quickly your star can dim. You know what I mean? So that is, that is something to remember. Like it's not a given that Jordan love plays MVP caliber football for an entire season. Like he did for two months, this particular year. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. But the the low point was definitely the, the 10 point performance at Lambeau against Minnesota, because it was just like, they had, they had opportunities to win that game. It Like they were getting in, their offense couldn't move the ball, first of all, which is always like objectively the hardest teams to watch are the ones that are just 
that bad on offense because if they're not like, and if their defense isn't dominant, because if that's the case, then you get blown on a bunch. That's pretty basic, but um, they couldn't move the ball on offense. And then their defense, like Morley, I think that was the game you and I counted. They gave up like nine third and eight pluses yeah. in that game. Yeah. And Minnesota didn't have Justin Jefferson. So like you're sitting back thinking like mother bleep, like they have, Jefferson and and Addison diced them up that day. So it's like they got those two dudes and Hawkinson and they they still have cousins like there's a good and I mean that was the game. I'll be dead I'll be honest with you guys. After that game, I had a photoshopped picture of Drake May in my phone. Mostly in jest, but like kind of I mean, we talked about it in the group chat. Like, yeah. oh my god, they beat the Chargers and now they're going to screw up their draft pick. Because they're not going to win a game X, Y, Z, you know, all that. that is a low, low point. I am a competitive person by nature. I have played at much smaller levels than some of the people in this particular room here. Actually, both of you for that matter. But I want to win. And I'm a believer that winning breeds more winning. I hate rooting for losing. And I never fully did. But I hate the concept of talking about a team that, is finishing in the top, you know, 10 of the draft. As much fun as draft season is when you're in that section, getting there sucks. Like the four and 12 season with Favre was one of the worst years of my, and I'm being dramatic when I say this, but worst years of my life. It's horrible. That's the low point is just not knowing what the future was and not like we're not good on defense and we're not good on offense. Like what are we good at? Are we good at anything? Is this what really bad football looks like? They're not good at anything. Is everyone going to get fired? Like all that stuff. Not there was a point. Up. There was a point where I had a tweet and it was real. I just said like the Packers are in contention for the first overall pick. Yes. And it was, it was true. <laughs> and, that wasn't is, joking. That is, and that is something with the Twitter landscape that I wish we could Everybody that wants to take victory laps about, you know, Jordan Love and the Packers in the season. And I and I get it to some degree. But we don't have to pretend that everything was always hunky dory. Like that Raiders game that Trey mentioned was awful. They had like 105 passing yards and 80 of them came on one play, which was a busted coverage. Like it was they couldn't do anything. And the Raiders were awful before they hired Antonio Pierce and that was when they had Josh McDaniels. Um, but that's the low point of the year, just having to go through all of that stuff. And I'm sure any Bears and Vikings and fan of team that's quarterback starred was probably rolling their eyes at me for the two weeks of uncertainty I had in my life at the quarterback position. But that is where we are. Uh, the high point, like you said, more uh, beating the Cowboys. Uh, you know, the, the Lions game on Thanksgiving Day was fun. That was the first game where, like, I feel like you could start to believe a little bit. Uh, and then, then obviously they beat Kansas City the following week. That stretch is probably the best two-game stretch of the season. But to go into Dallas, which, you know, in my household growing up, not a place we like. I was raised to hate the Dallas Cowboys. And they broke my heart a bunch when I was a kid. So I know Ross Uglum, our buddy, calls them the fancy bears or something like that because the Packers have just beaten the piss out of them for the better half of 20 years now. But I want them to feel every single ounce of that pain. I felt, uh, you know, they're one of the first teams to ever make me cry when I was five years old, four years old, however old it was. I want them to feel that. 
So screw the Cowboys. Plus, you know, like we talked about in that little, you know, back and forth we just had. That was the announcement of, like, this team can be really good. The score was, I know the final score was 48-32. It was 48-16. to Jordan Love threw three touchdown passes from three different arm angles. Like, it was, and Aaron Jones is running for six yards. Like, it was just a... 2011, 2014, 2020-esque feeling on offense where every time they have the ball, you know they're going to score unless they just get in their own way. And even if they do, they still might score. But far and away, the high, winning a playoff game, the high point of the season, and you had some chance of believing that you know maybe this could have been something more. Unfortunately, the Magic Carpet ride did come to an end on – Saturday against the 49ers again. Uh, the Packers have not beaten the 49ers in the playoffs since 2001. Brett Favre against Jeff Garcia. For those of you that remember, uh, hell, maybe you don't. Uh, it's been that long, and it's kind of a nondescript game in general. But it's been a while, and that's the hump. You know, that appears to be the team that is the the boogeyman. And the the sobering reality right now is, you know, the Packers own the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers own the Green Bay Packers. And until further notice, that is true. And it is not a fun feeling to have that almost to the point where like, if they're set up to potentially face in the playoffs again, maybe you just kind of want to root for the team that's playing San Francisco to beat them. And I hate that mentality, but I've seen it enough. You know, it's been it. It's been out there. It's been at Lambeau. It's been with a good Packer team. It's been with a not so good Packer team. Like the 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 Niners just have Green Bay's number. So that's the end of that. Uh, we're out of time for today's show. I'm not uh, to to quote the quarterback of yesteryear. Uh, the future here, I guess, is a beautiful mystery. I'm not 100 percent sure what they're going to have us do as we get into full off season mode starting next week. So. I hope it's not the last time that the three of us are together, but just in case it was, boys, it was an absolute pleasure to go through the season uh, with both of you uh, here. And I hope you guys enjoyed going through this show as much as as I have. And the listeners, obviously, we appreciate you guys checking in every week. Um, I appreciate the Twitter users that gave us some pretty funny fodder to talk about before the show. Uh, that was also a lot of fun to, <laughs> to go through with, with some of you guys. But you can follow... Uh, me on the internet, if you want to, I, I hate calling it X slash Twitter. So I'm just saying the internet, uh, you can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westerdorf. You can follow trees at MDQUE underscore 33. And you can follow Jacob Morley at Jacob Morley. We're out of time. The season is over. Sadness. Uh, go Ravens. I don't know. <laughs> Whoever you guys want next week. See you then. <laughs>